Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners. Also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200. Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez. My guest today is Mark Balsam. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, Henry. Thank you a lot for having me. Looking forward to this conversation. We're going to chat about asset protection. Mark is an attorney. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit about his background and then have him share a little bit more about how he got to where he is today. But we're going to talk about asset protection for the small business owner. It really applies whether you have a business or not, but obviously specifically for us, we're always looking for ways to either prepare for our first business or all of us as small business owner. It's surprising even to me as I was reading through, for example, the, the couple of books that Mark sent ahead of time how there's so many potential points of exposure. And this is a scary topic. It can be. We're going to try not to take that approach. It's more a matter of continuing to educate ourselves to get better and better on everything that has to do with managing a business, especially this legal aspect of protecting our assets. If you want to receive more information about the Howa business, including links to the show notes page, then just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996, and I'll send you a link to easily access the show notes page. So Mark Balsam, who's with us today, is an attorney. He represents individuals and businesses to help them with developing and implementing comprehensive asset protection plans. We're going to chat about what that means. Mark is with the Presser Law Firm. They're based in Boca Raton, Florida. And Mark and the team at Presser Law Firm, they help clients protect their hard-earned assets from other attorneys, from malpractice claims, from creditors, uh, foreclosures, former and current spouses, children, relatives, greedy lawsuit-obsessed citizens, all kinds of things that are always potentially trying to take our money and take our assets and affect our hard-earned businesses. So um, that's what we're here to chat about. While many people can make money, few of us know how to really protect it. And that's what Mark and the Presser Law Firm specialize in. Mark lives in the Delray Beach, Florida area. And so once again, Mark Balsam, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Henry. Great to have you, Mark. So, so tell me a little bit about, we chatted as we were preparing for this interview. I know, I believe you got your law degree at the University of Miami. I think you're from Virginia originally, but give me a little bit about the background, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so the background is, uh, it's actually an interesting story, and it's kind of how I got to be an asset protection attorney uh, in the first place. I grew up outside of Buffalo, New York, actually. Ah, and, okay. um, Yeah, so cold, cold winters up there. Very cold. <laughs> Very cold. A lot different than Delray Beach, Florida. <laughs> and I was, I was the youngest of three brothers, and was always in situations where I was arguing with my brothers, um, you know, fighting for every possible thing. And so from a young age, my parents said, you know, that's it. You have to go to law school. You're cut out to be a lawyer. So from the very young age growing up in Buffalo, um, I knew I was going to go to law school. 
And uh, growing, growing up in those winters, I had my sights set on potentially being somewhere a little bit warmer. Yeah. So I went down and I went to University of Miami Law School. And immediately upon getting down there, I was hit with uh, billboards on I-95 um, in downtown <laughs> Miami. You know, who can I sue? What can I sue? Personal injury billboards everywhere I see. Um, divorce law billboards. And so here I was as a young adult in law school, and um, I realized how big the legal market truly is and how big of an industry this, this legal market is growing into. Yeah, that's such a great point. You know, our country is very litigious, but South Florida in particular, and we don't have time to go into the reasons why, is like uber litigious. That is like everybody seems to want to sue everybody else. Exactly. So determined not to get down on the path that I've chosen, um, I ended up taking a few classes in law school that opened up my eyes to the concept of asset protection, which is obviously our topic of the day. And um, while, you know, there's such a huge industry out there um, looking for people to sue, there's this little niche of an industry called asset protection that actually focuses on helping people protect what they've worked so hard to earn. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... So we're going to get into that topic. Uh, so when you ended up at UM, it's interesting. My, my brother, David, graduated from UM. And then I have a friend whose daughter just graduated from UM. That's Jessica. So hello to David and Jessica. Um, okay. So did you fall in love with the whole environment and the weather? And despite the little bit of craziness that comes with it down there? Of course. Of course. I love the city. And I end up joining up with the Presser Law Firm, who specializes um, only in asset protection work. And uh, it's been a successful few years with them. And, and now here I am continuing to live out my career life in South Florida. Yeah, yeah, you found, you found the right niche for you, which is fantastic. Exactly. Um, all right, before we get into it, let's just clear, uh, make sure we make a quick disclosure here from a legal perspective that we're not representing anybody. So I'll let you say a few words on that. Yeah, that's exactly right, Henry. I don't want anything to be uh, taken as actual legal counsel advice. I'm not representing anybody, but uh, this is offered just for educational purposes. So I hope our audience can take away a few key points today and help protect themselves and their personal lives better and also their businesses moving forward. That's right. Every situation is unique. And so what we're going to share is some of our experiences Mark's knowledge and experience. We're going to share some stories and examples, but if you take anything away from the conversation is that you need to get your own attorney to represent you. And, and even if you reach out to Mark and his firm to get that, that, that guidance specific to you on what you need to do. So let, let's get started with it. I'm going to kind of jump around on some topics, especially as I was thinking about this and the things that, that sometimes I get confused about. And I know I hear often from my clients We'll kind of take it in layers of, of protecting our assets, again, from the perspective of a small business owner. Let's start with the legal entity. Uh, I, I think everybody who's listened to the show knows at a base level, you have to have a legal entity, right? To operate any kind of business while a sole proprietorship is completely legal, we need a legal entity to provide that base level of protection, correct? That is correct. And, and I guess before we even get into legal entity, I would just ask Henry, I know you, you read a little bit of the books, but, but what do you think asset protection means to you from a business owner perspective? What would you say in your own words? Well, for me, it means protecting 
everything that is related to my business, all of the quote unquote assets, and that could be, you know, all of those things that have value, but beyond that, it's the goodwill of the business. So everything that come that, that comprises the business, but beyond that, it's my personal assets as well. My, my personal things of value and my ability to make a living, all of those things to me, uh, encompass my assets. And so okay, what I try to apply is by the combination of a legal entity and insurance and other protections, try to create layers of protection from others that might want to take that from me. Exactly. And obviously you, you did your fair share of homework there with the books I presented you. Um, well, and I've been at this for a while, right? So <laughs> now, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that I execute on that perfectly, hence why I'll learn something from this as well. But there, there's so many... You know, there's so there's so many misconceptions, Mark, as well as I think people, what I want people to get out of this conversation is at least those basics, but to understand for those who are already in established business and think they've got it covered, what are some of those opportunities that we have to make sure that we really have ourselves covered, right? Of course. So to start the conversation, I would give you the long legal definition, which I like to tell people. And uh, asset protection is the legal process of titling both your personal and business assets to put them beyond the reach of future potential threats and creditors. So that's the goal here. Like you said, everything of your life that has a value to you, a value to you. So personal assets such as cash, your checking accounts, your stocks, your real estate, even your shares in your business that are in your personal name. We want to think about how we can protect those assets from anyone that may come after you in the future as, you know, a creditor. So um, that is the overall goal of what we're trying to accomplish here today. Yeah. And so as a small business owner, one of the first steps that we take to help us do that is the legal entity, correct? Of course. Of course. So legal entities as a law firm is one of the main strategies that we use to protect assets. And I'm sure everyone out there in the audience has heard about them. Um, they come in you know, various forms such as LLCs, limited partnerships. Uh, trust, different kinds of trust, uh, corporations. And so as an asset protection law firm, one of the strategies is to transfer any assets that you may have in your business name or in your personal name into these entities that protect them. Yeah. And, and uh, speaking of entity types for a moment, it's very specific to your situation. But one of the things I always try to clarify, because I do hear this still a lot, I know certainly in the state of Texas, and I know you can speak directly, certainly to the state of Florida and other places. The LLC is a very established entity type, and we should not have other reasons aside, right, which your CPA and attorney might guide you to. Right. The reason not to choose an LLC should not be because it doesn't have enough traction or history or legal standing. It is a perfectly viable entity. Is that fair? That is completely correct. Um, different states have different rules on how the LLCs um, should be owned, uh, but the LLC, even though it is one of the newer entities, is quickly becoming one of the most popular popular entities out there. Yeah. And uh, I think this would be a good opportunity just to fill your your listeners in on the exact advantages of an LLC and, and how it could work to their benefit. Okay. Um, so, in a, in a classic, you know, asset protection one on one example, you have somebody who maybe buys a rental property for their first time, and um, you know, you can buy that property in your own name, but as an asset protection attorney, it's 
with our encouragement that you always put that property into an LLC. Um, and this, this has several you know, significant benefits to somebody. Um, and it really works as a two-way advantage to the buyer if you do put your property into an LLC rather than to hold it in your own name. Um, on, the first, on the first side of the benefit, if you are ever sued in your personal name, meaning that Henry, if you know, you're out there driving and you get into a car accident and somebody says, you know, Henry, I'm coming after you with this claim, if your property is properly put into an LLC, you can never, it can never be taken by any of your creditors suing you in your personal name. It is a completely separate entity. The same way that you have your own social security number and I have my own social security number, your LLC will get a tax identification number and would be viewed in terms of the law as a completely separate individual than yourself. So first and foremost, if you're ever sued in your personal name, to put something in the entity structure of an LLC completely separates it from you and cannot be claimed in that lawsuit. Now, the second benefit of an LLC, and you know, jump in at any point, I don't mean to ramble on and on, but uh, the second benefit of an LLC is that if anyone is ever injured on the property that the LLC is in, such as a slip and fall, if someone's a, someone is a tenant of the property and wants to sue the property, they can never actually come after you personally. They can only come after what is in that LLC, which would be the property itself. Right. So you are, you're protecting yourself on a two-way street by creating this entity, um, whereas if you were to just buy a property in your own personal name and someone were to slip and fall on that property, they could actually sue you for everything that you have um, in your net worth. So uh, it's very crucial that you know when you start when you buy a new property or perhaps take on a new business venture, you want to create this separate entity to establish a complete separation between your own personal wealth and the wealth of that entity. Yeah, very clear. And I'm glad you clarified. I, I think most of us understand the I you know somebody slips and falls on that property or I hurt somebody through my business and then they sue they can only sue the business we'll talk about that because that's not always the case but we'll come back to that but it's the other side of it which I think we don't think about often if I personally get involved in some separate litigation because I own that asset in this case like your example a, a piece of real estate in that separate LLC Correct. They can't go after that. So it protects you both ways, as, as long as I'm doing some things the right way, and we'll talk about that. So I'm glad, I'm glad you clarified that. On the, and, and since just, you, go ahead, I'm sorry. Sorry, just to fin finish my thought, and I, and yep. I want to make sure that the audience understands. Um, if a second piece of property is, well, I want to make sure that, you know, it's always the advice to open up a second LLC. Okay, for that was, that was the question I was going to ask, because I've gotten that guidance before, and of course, even myself, because I've owned rental properties since we're using that example or any kind of you know real estate investment, my hesitancy was, well, boy, now I got to go create another LLC for which I got to file another return and pay another Florida franchise tax on and on and on. What exactly. Do you, what do you say to me about that? So it, it's, it's really a cost benefit analysis. And I'll give you two stories of two different clients who we've had in our office. The first client came into our office and had about 15 properties each north of $600,000. Mm. So in that situation, because the properties are significant value, right? You want to right. encourage every single property to go into an LLC. Absolutely. Now, we've also had a client come into our office with about 15 properties, all in the value of about $30,000. So you have to do a cost-benefit analysis with yourself, with your financial team, and really ask yourself, how much do you want to put at risk? 
if you have a property for $30,000, maybe, you know, you could be willing to risk upwards of 100,000, then you could put three of those properties into one LLC. But it's really about being smart and, you know, determining how much you're willing to lose. Yeah, yeah, that's much more realistic. And that makes sense. And I could apply the same method for multiple businesses. I've got this primary business it's a plumbing business. And then I start doing, you know, handyman work on the side. Maybe I operate that under the same umbrella. Maybe it makes sense at some point to separate that into its own legal entity, right? Exactly. And, and you know, that reminds me of a funny story. It doesn't matter how big or small you think that your business is. Um, we had a client who, unfortunately, her husband passed away. She inherited a decent amount of money. Um, and she went on and she actually had a small business down here where she went to the flea market once a week and sold dolls at the flea market. Um, you know, it wasn't much. She was selling dolls for a couple of dollars. And unfortunately, a children, a child purchased her doll and that doll oh. actually poked, poked out a child's eye while oh. the child was playing with the doll. So who do they come after? They go, it's, it's a terrible, terrible situation. But who do they come after? Obviously, the, the maker of the dolls. So even though she's in this business selling dolls for a couple of dollars a doll, you know, now if somebody comes after her and sues her and she didn't open up an LLC, they could come after her personally for everything she's worth. All she had to do was set up the proper business entity to remove all of her personal exposure in that situation. So yeah. we like to encourage our clients, you know, it's not a matter of you know, doing a million dollars a year in revenue. You could, you could be you know, opening up a lemonade stand and if there's liability there, you want to make sure you're protected. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's more about evaluating the potential liability. The thing is that that's, that's hard for us sometimes to, uh, to analyze because we don't tend to think that way, right? We've got, we're in the honeymoon phase and we're all excited. That's where a good attorney comes in to say, well, what about this, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, all right, talking about that situation, as horrific as it is, what, what role would insurance have played their commercial liability policy to give us that additional layer of protection? And how do you see that as part of an asset protection plan? So insurance is great. And we always tell our clients we love insurance because for the most part, it's relatively cheap and it helps you sleep at night. Um, we see insurance as a belt and suspenders type approach alongside with a proper asset protection plan. Um, so, I mean, if you just think about it, insurance companies are some of the most for profit companies in the world. I mean, what's their goal? Their goal is to go out there and make money, right? So their goal is to take in as much revenue as possible and pay out as little claims as possible. So if you actually look at the statistics, 70% of lawsuits that occur in our country are not covered by insurance plans. So you need a proper insurance plan that you feel comfortable with, but you need that suspenders asset protection plan there if the insurance plan is not is not going to cover. Okay, so start to tell me then about what are some of the other things. We, we talked about the basics, legal entity. I do have to have some level of commercial liability, but what are some of the other things now that most business owners don't think about that we need to start considering? So, well, sorry, can I just go back to insurance real, real quick? Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to tell us. I'd like to tell a story on that quickly. So we, sure. had, we had a business owner who we represented um, who called us and he got into a jet skiing accident down in Florida. And he called us and he said, you know, don't worry, I'm completely covered. I have an umbrella insurance policy. It covers me for all boating accidents. Well, what he didn't know, on page 34 of his liability insurance policy, jet skis were not considered a boat. He wasn't covered. So we like to say in our law firm, the big prints give us the small prints taken away. 
So mm-hmm. I want to encourage everyone out there to make sure that you look at your insurance policies and you can clearly see what is covered versus what is not covered. Because while you think your umbrella may cover everything, there's a lot of nuances in there to look out for. Yeah, that's a good point. Is that is that uh, in part why there's such a high percentage, as you mentioned, of lawsuits where the insurance doesn't help as much? Is that part of it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And also, I mean, lawsuits are the next biggest business. I mean, uh, you know, the stats say there's over 100 million lawsuits each year, and that number is only growing. Um, just like your listeners are smart enough to, you know, tune into this podcast uh, once a week or once in a while, lawyers are getting together every day and talking about, you know, who's the next person we could sue, who's the next low-hanging fruit out there. Yeah. You want to be, you want to be careful. You want to make sure that you put together a good asset protection plan to discourage those lawsuits from coming in. And, you know, I always get hit with the question of, I hear you're an asset protection attorney. Isn't that, doesn't that mean you help people hide their assets? <laughs> and it's, it's really the complete opposite. When we set up a good asset protection plan, we want to promote our client's plan because we don't want that other side attorney looking at our client saying, oh, here's some easy money hanging out there. Let's go sue them, throw about a, a punch of paint at the wall at their company, and hopefully they pay out a claim. You know, we hope that if we promote our asset protection plans the right way, opposing counsel will see that and say, wow, it's going to be so timely and expensive for me to sue this person that I don't even want to sue them in the first place. Okay. You know, it's, it's really about changing the question of liability to a question of collectability. Yeah, so it turns into a deterrent then for those who might bring a suit against us that's either frivolous or over the top or that could potentially kill our business. Exactly. I mean, in, in the beginning, I talked about those those billboards I first saw when I came down to Miami. And uh, as I'm sure a lot of us know, um, personal injury attorneys, attorneys of that sort work on contingency in this country, which means that you or I could go into any personal injury attorney's office off the street and say that you have a claim against a business, give them zero dollars today, and they'll represent you on the case on the fact that you know they could get 30 or 40 percent of whatever they can get for you. Yeah. On the con, on the con, on the con. Sorry, sorry. On the contrary, to defend that claim, you have to go into an attorney's office today and give them money for a retainer to defend you because there's there's nothing for the attorney to win in defending you. So right. we live in this country where you can sue somebody for free, but you're you're already paying dollars even if you're innocent just to defend yourself. Yeah. There's no argument that that's that's a broken system, especially as we look at it from a small business owner's perspective. Since you touched on that perspective, because I think this applies to a lot of us, certainly for me, for our types of businesses where either an employee can hurt themselves or a customer that comes onto our place of business and slips and falls or hurts themselves or a child hurts themselves. Let's talk about that for a moment because that's so that's for me, it's so practical on some tips there that you might be able to share. Um, if I have in place, for example, a comprehensive safety training program, I can prove that I run my employees through safety training. I can show that I manage an environment that's clean and generally safe. Do those things help to defend myself on those kind of lawsuits? Of course. I mean, any, any additional measures that you could take to make sure that you have all your safety procedures recorded, um, will only help you in that situation. Um, but it's, it's our job that, you know, we want to make sure that you're doing everything right, but we want to make sure that even if you slip up and you are sued, that all your assets and everything that you need to run your business are in a safe place. 
All right, so, so let's start talking about that then. Uh, what what are we, give me some examples of what we're talking about there then. So obviously, you know, we touched on in the beginning, it's important to open up a business entity when you start operating in a business. Right. But uh, I, I speak to business owners all over the country and I tell them, you know, one business entity, one S Corp or one LLC, it, it, it's not enough anymore. You have, to, you have to think more strategic than that and you have to, to separate your company into further divisions than that. And, you know, when I tell that to business owners, they think I'm crazy. And when I hear from business owners that they only have one entity, I think that they are crazy. So I challenge business owners to think about what is it in your business that you cannot operate without? For some people, that's a liquor license. For other people, that's all their IP, you know, maybe their website and all their social media accounts, that's worth value to them. Um, you know, some industries, it's a company's equipment or their vehicles, whatever it is that your company needs should be not in your operating business. You should be setting up separate entities to keep these uh, assets. So when your operating company is sued, it's not all under the same umbrella. It's the same theory as we talked about with the rental properties, but just breaking down your business further into smaller asset classes. Okay, so as an example, in my car wash business, we have two separate entities, one which is the operating company, and Correct. then separately we have, and, and that's how we do business in the name of. So that's the business that employs the people. In fact, we actually have a separate entity for that. But anyway, let's, let's say that's the operating company. And separately, we have another legal entity that holds the assets, owns the real estate, owns the building, owns the equipment. If somebody gets injured in my car wash, are, are you saying that as long as I have those set up correctly and I'm transacting correctly, right? So there's a lot of some technicalities there. I don't want to brush over, but we will at this point. Right. If somebody sues me, are you saying that as long as all, all other things are in line, they can only go after the assets, quote unquote, of the operating company? Is that what you're saying? Correct. I'll, so I'll, I'll answer that with an example of, of a company we worked for uh, down in Miami. So we worked with a, a, a nightclub down in Miami and the nightclub had, uh, it was on a million and a half dollar piece of real estate. Um, it had a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of stereo equipment. It had its liquor license and it had a couple uh, hundred thousand dollars worth of furniture. So what we did for that nightclub is we opened up an operating company for the nightclub and we opened up separate LLCs to hold the furniture, the sound equipment, the liquor license, and separately the real estate. And what we did is those LLCs that held those assets simply leased the assets over to the operating company. No different than you would lease a car from Ford if you were good to go lease a car. So now if that operating company, say someone is slips and falls and let's call it the club LLC, then all you simply can do is close down the club LLC and set up re new leasing agreements between all of the assets that they need to operate and a new operating legal entity. And then you can continue business on as usual. So it's really about strategically setting up where your assets are held and doing it in the correct way. Whereas if your operating business is sued, you can open up a new operating business and continue business tomorrow. And obviously you're telling me that does typically hold up in court that that's all I can go after. Uh, are there, are there obvious exceptions to that or things that I can do that, that, that kind of create a, a hole in that protection? So you, you need to work with an experienced asset protection attorney, of course. And the most three important words in asset protection is honor thy structure. You need to treat these structures 
this as if because they are real businesses. So when I talk about leasing, you know, leasing furniture back to the operating company, you need to make sure there's a real authentic leasing agreement there with a fair and equitable leasing price. You know, you can't just be leasing this furniture for $1 a year. So it's really on yourself and your attorneys to come up with exact numbers that make sense. You want a judge to look at your company and the way you structured it as if it's a real operating company. And if, if you don't honor your structure, a judge has the right not to honor your structure. Okay. And so that's where we can expose. There's no, no, no different than, than the commingling of funds between our, if we just had one entity and our personal business, right? It's kind of the similar rules apply there is what I'm hearing. Exactly. You don't want to be writing checks from different accounts for different reasons. You want to make sure that if an expense comes in that's directly related to asset A, then you write a check out of that account. You want to make sure they're run all as opposite or as uh, non uh, as separate businesses. Right. If you start mixing that all together, then you're exposed to the judge saying, nope, this is all one entity, really. Exactly. Okay. All right. I'm following you there. And, and so then... What I would have for that operating entity, I might have insurance as another barrier, perhaps, and and what's exposed then is you know whatever cash account, if you will, is related to that operating entity. Is that is that correct? That's correct, and and uh, we have a solution for cash and accounts receivable. We it's it's our goal to really you know take that operating company, take out all the assets, including cash and accounts receivable, and to make sure they're in safeguarded safeguarded places. Okay. Is this approach, Mark, which which obviously, as we, we already are hearing, can be complex, and I'm using that term for, you know, for an average guy like me, a small business owner, we're talking about a lot here. I got to get an attorney to help me for this. Do you right. apply that same logic as we talked about where the real estate is, is kind of, you got to do it to the level that it makes sense. Otherwise, I'm, all I'm doing is paying attorney's fees for this. Right. And, and creating a structure that's impossible for me to to manage because I've got so many sets of books. So where do you strike that balance for a really small business owner? So of course you have to work with, you know, a, a financial team, your attorneys, your CPAs who are willing to hold your hand and help you learn your plan. Cause like we talked about, if you're not, if you're not running your plan the right way, a judge won't write, won't uh, honor it the right way. And it'll be like you said, just a, a check to an attorney that you, you didn't use. So you want to make sure that you find attorneys who help you learn your plan. Um, a, a lot of times people think it sounds complex in the beginning, but really what we find with businesses in particular is once you strategically separate your business, it really gives you a competitive advantage. I mean, you're learning your business now down to different categories. You're seeing exactly where you're making more money, exactly where you're losing more money. Mm -hmm. Maybe it means getting, maybe it means getting rid of a division of your company if that division's not performing well. Yeah. Um, it really helps you organize your business from a strategic standpoint. And uh, all, you know, our clients come back to us two, three years after they start using their plan saying, wow, I've never been so organized in my business life. Um, what a world of difference it's making to, to have everything strategically set up in this way. Yeah, yeah. I can see that because that, it also might highlight, well, you know, this particular component of it, maybe it's better to outsource that instead of me trying to do it or partner for that. Uh, so it helps you identify those kind of things. Or it's certainly very clearly identify where in the overall business model is is the weak point or the least cost effective point, And I can start to focus on those areas of the business. Exactly. And, you know, our goal is to help you protect your assets, but you get other advantages out of this plan. Um, you know, a lot of the times you have key employees who, you know, instead of giving a raise, maybe you want to give a small percent of equity to that employee. 
Well, if the employee is only involved in, say, your manufacturing department, and if your manufacturing department is its own entity, now you can give that key employee 5 10% of just the manufacturing department. It's a nice incentive for the key employee. You know, it makes him feel like in, entitled to be a part of the actual department he's running. But you don't have to give away complete equity in the overall operation. So yeah. there's, some unique, there's some unique benefits that come with strategically separating your company um, where it makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a great example. Okay. The other thing I see people uh, make a big mistake on is they think that I've got a legal entity, so I'm good, but they have no idea what's in their their uh, their operating agreement or their partnership agreement. And this comes to now the question of how do I protect myself from uh, even internal uh, potential exposure, a divorce, a marriage of one of my partners, uh, one of my kids or whatever. So talk to me about that and, and how we begin to protect ourselves against those kind of life events, as I call them. Yeah, so that, that uh, is a very hot topic in today's business climate. Um, we're dealing with a lot of baby boomers today who are thinking about getting out of their business. And uh, what we're seeing is nine out of 10 of those baby boomers who started a business back in the 70s never even heard the concept business succession planning until uh, recent. So nowadays, it's a, it's a term that seems to be shoved down business owners' throats, but business succession planning, we can't harp on the importance of it enough. Mm -hmm. um, all a business succession plan is, is an estate plan for your business. So you want several, you know, very key questions answered, such as if one of the owners dies, what were to happen? Um, you want all this written down on paper before any, any business, business growth were to happen. And a lot of listeners today starting out their companies, it might be one of those things that you put on the back burner because you're worried about growing. But you know, once you do start growing and if you do have a successful year and then you start to you know, put a business succession plan in place, it gets complicated. People start to have differing opinions. So we like to say, you know, get your business valued today. Um, make sure you have something in writing if you do have partners. Just make sure you have a business succession plan drawn up no matter what stage of the business you're at because a lot of complications can come and, and you, don't want, you don't want to be in that position where there's, there's no laws of the land laid out. Yeah, no, I agree. I've seen that uh, many times. Um, okay, wh what are some of the other common mistakes that you see small business owners make as it relates to asset protection? So... I believe the, the number one rule of asset protection, which unfortunately I see too much, is you have to do the planning before there's a problem. You know, you, you can't buy health insurance after you get sick or get the car insurance after the accident. You have to be proactive and do your planning today before there's a problem. Um, if, if unfortunately you get into a legal altercation and then you want to do some asset protection planning, mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's heavy potential there for a judge to declare what's called a fraudulent transfer. And yeah. all of your planning can actually be unwoven and uh, not hold up in court. Yeah, that, that's not the time to be trying to hide assets or move stuff around, right? That's not going to work typically. Exactly. So, I mean, every, every business owner, every entrepreneur is optimistic and thinking. No one ever thinks they're going to be the guy to get sued. But listen, lawsuits happen every single day in our country. There's a one in four chance that people will get sued, that an individual will be sued in the next year. That's the nationwide stat. Um, five lawsuits throughout your lifetime, whether that's for your business or yourself. These are just statistics. So, I mean, if you're starting a business, I understand everyone is optimistic in that ground, but, but don't be naive. You want to do the planning ahead of time. You don't want to wait until a problem happens. Okay. 
All right. So that planning ahead of time, and we've talked about some of those examples, obviously getting the legal entity, getting the proper structure of legal entities, getting advice on that from the right attorney and your and or your CPA, um, uh, thinking ahead for those that the operating agreements. So we have some kind of succession planning. All of those things are key things that need to be in place ahead of time, not after you have a problem. Exactly. And then, you know, once you do uh, make the effort to get that plan drawn up ahead of time, uh, the same way that you should go see the doctor every year for a physical, we say that every year, you know, you should challenge yourself to have a financial physical. So we challenge our clients at least once a year, get your CPA, your estate planning attorney, your asset protection attorney together in a room and just review what's going on. I mean, different year laws change, your assets definitely change every year. So, you know, while it's great to have a plan drawn up today, you want to make sure that you're reviewing your finances every year um, to make sure that everything is still up to speed with what you have going on in your life. Yeah, that's a great point. That makes sense. Okay, I, you talk about uh, in the books and all, and you've talked about before as well in other engagements, the, the eight keys to good asset protection. You also have, you know, three maxims. G- give me just one or two of the highlights that we haven't already touched on that I need to be thinking about or that are, that are what you see as best practices when it comes to a proper asset protection plan? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the great keys to asset protection that I like to talk about is just make sure that you retain control of your asset. Um, okay. there's, definitely, there's definitely some options out there. Uh, you know, a lot of people come to me and they say, don't worry, I have everything in a trust. I'm completely protected. Okay. And, uh, you know, that's one of the biggest misconceptions with asset protection is a revocable trust, which is most of the time used by estate planners as a great estate planning tool, offers you zero asset protection today while you're alive. A judge can order you to go into your revocable trust because it is revocable and take out any assets you have in there. Interesting. And uh, the second, uh, the other kind of trust is an irrevocable trust, which obviously offers you complete asset protection while you're alive. However, you lose control because it is irrevocable. Once you do sign that irrevocable trust, you know, whatever that trust says governs. And even while you're alive, that trust has complete control. So there's some asset protection strategies out there that you, you, you really will be protected, but you do lose control. And so we always try to tell our clients, you want to own everything or you want to control everything and own nothing. You know, it's, it's really your job to keep control of your assets while maintaining as little liability as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. All right, where, where so let's say I, uh, I've got the legal entity, I've got a basic operating plan, maybe I've done that well, I've got commercial insurance. What, uh, where do I begin? What's the first step? I mean, obviously, a first step would be to contact somebody like you and get a consultation. But from a tactical perspective, what do, where do you usually start with someone? Yeah, so definitely the first step is is reaching out to your trusted uh, advisor team. You know, talk to everyone, your CPA, your financial advisor, and, uh, you know, challenge them. Ask them how you're protected today, how you're not. You know, from a legal standpoint, we, we do legal entities. That's how we help. But uh, there's a lot of laws that help at the same time. You know, there's asset protection statutes in every state that offer asset protection for certain assets. In Florida, as an example, we have... Our homestead, your primary house in Florida, as in Texas, actually, yes. um, is a is 100% protected. So if you have, you know, up to a crazy home, say you have a $10 million home, that's fully protected from any lawsuits in those states in particular. 
Now, in other states, that's not the case, and it may be protected only up to $75,000. So there's certain things your financial advisor is certainly going to be able to help with. Um, certain retirement accounts are protected. Uh, so you want to make sure you understand the lay of the land in your state and where you can put assets in a protective format without even doing any entity work in the first place. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's getting that initial assessment. Where am I now? Where am I? Where, where are some areas that I'm exposed? Is a, is a common first step is to start this division of entities separating assets from operating company. Is that a common first step for small business owners? Yeah, I mean, it, it's very different depending on, on the client. Um, for business owners, yeah, you want to see exactly where your business can be divided. But uh, I want to challenge everyone to, you know, when you do sit down with a trusted advisor, make sure they're developing a plan that's right for you. I mean, there's a lot of tools out there. There's a lot of attorneys who just have faith in one type of tool. But everyone's businesses and everyone's personal wealth, it's, it's completely different. And you want to find an attorney that does customized planning that, you know, shows you different tools and how they work and how they might not work and, and educates you first before saying, you know, this is the tool that I want to put your wealth in and this is the best, you know, challenge your advisors. Why, why is this not as good as, as an LLC or as a limited partnership? And, uh, you know, make sure you're getting a customized plan that fits your specific situation. Yeah. All right. So tell me more about what you guys offer. And I know you've got a special offer for our listeners as well. Yeah, so I, I work for the Presser Law Firm. We're a nationwide firm uh, with offices in both Florida and New York, but we represent clients all over the country and asset, asset protection for yourself and your business. And we do both domestic planning and international planning. Um, and we'd be happy to offer any of your listeners who are interested. Uh, we'll offer them a complimentary consultation where we can listen to you, what you have going on financially, uh, point out where you may be vulnerable, what you could be doing better. Um, we would love to help in any way. And also our firm has authored several best-selling books on the topic of asset protection. So if any one of your listeners were to reach out to yourself or me, um, we would be happy to you know, mail you a copy of those best-selling books. And that way you can start to begin to educate yourself more on asset protection. Absolutely. We'll have a link to that on the show notes page, but if they want to go online, do they just go to the, um, the firm's website? Where do you want them to go to look at that or look for that rather? So our, our website's pretty easy. It's www.assetsprotectionattorneys.com. Um, the, the website has a, a vast wealth of information. It actually has state by state, all the laws broken down. So if if you're listening in Nebraska or wherever, wherever you may be, you can go onto our website and see where your state protects you without doing anything today. Um, and also you can email me at mb at assetprotectionattorneys.com. And I would love to connect you with further information such as those books so you can keep uh, educating yourself on this important topic. Perfect. And if you didn't get that, we'll have that on the show notes page. You can always just text the word biz, B-I-Z to 31996. And I'll send you a link with, with all of those places to reach Mark and the Presser Law Firm. All right. Talking about books, you, you had sent me the two books that I used in preparing for this call. One of them is called Financial Self-Defense, How to Protect Everything You Own from Everyone Every Time. And then the one that I got the most out of as we were preparing for this particular topic, the book is entitled Asset Protection Secrets, How America's Affluence, Affluent Lawsuit Proof Their Wealth and How You Can Too. 
So those are the two books that, um, that we're referring to here that Mark is offering for free. So those are two great books to ask for to educate yourself on this topic. But is there another book that comes to mind that you've read recently or in the past that you would recommend? Uh, yeah, so I like listening to business podcasts. I've listened to a few episodes. They're fantastic. Um, just in the business world in general, I highly, highly recommend for entrepreneurs the book uh, Disciplined Entrepreneurship. It is authored by Bill uh, Aylitt, I believe you pronounce it. He's, he's the head of the MIT Entrepreneurship Program. And it's a, it's a real strategic way to starting a business. I, it lays out a 24-step process. Um, and it's a, it's a really great book for anyone starting a business, even people running a business, um, great things to think about uh, when going through that process. So Discipline Entrepreneurship, I just got through that one. I was, I was really into it. And also, once you are in a business that's operating, um, Traction by, I believe, Gino Wickman yes. uh, really, really helps you get organized uh, from a managerial standpoint, um, whether you know you have five employees or 500 employees. It really gives you some good systems to implement to, to make sure you have a good handle on your business and uh, it's in a good position for growth moving forward. Fantastic. Thanks for those recommendations. I've read Traction, have not read Discipline Entrepreneurship, so I appreciate that. And then the two books I mentioned as well, Financial Self-Defense, Asset Protection Secrets. We'll have all of those links on the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com. All right, Mark, we'll start to wrap it up. What's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation we had about uh, an asset protection plan from the perspective of a small business owner? Uh, so you'll see it on our books when you receive them. Um, we like to say it every time we, we talk to people. It's, it's, it's really an important point, but we like to challenge our clients that everyone's so interested in how can we grow, how can we make more money. And of, of course, that's on our mind every single day. But we like to, to say to our clients, for every 60 minutes that you spend thinking about how to make money, it's crucial to stop and spend 60 seconds thinking about how to protect it. You know, you could work really hard, build up a huge company, but, you know, a, a few minor, minor incidents could really make it uh, uh, crash to the ground faster than you believe. So while it's important to think about growth, please challenge yourself. Spend 60 seconds of every hour thinking about how can you protect that growth that you've worked so hard for. Yeah, I agree. I think it's very well said. I, that That's one of my key takeaways. The other is, you know, your point that even I forget about revisiting this, whatever your plan is, revisiting it, at least on an annual basis. I think that's a key takeaway. We tend to forget about that because it's, you know, it can be a negative topic and we don't want to think about it. We think, oh, we're good. Or we did that two years ago. So revisiting it on a regular basis, is, I think, was a key takeaway for me. And then, like you said, just taking that time up front, we a lot of us as entrepreneurs, we are excited about this idea or we're focused on growing the business. We're thinking about the positive things and it can be a downer to think about where we're exposed. So, and I get that, but, but I always look at one of the big responsibilities we have as business owners is we have to take on the responsibility of mitigating and protecting our business from those exposures. And that's part of our role as the leader, as the owner. And this is, this is at the heart of that, I think. So that. Those were some of my key takeaways. Exactly. Well said. All right. Tell us again where you want us to go online to learn more. So www.assetsprotectionattorneys.com. And uh, feel free to email me at mb at assetprotectionattorneys.com. 
I'd be happy to have a complimentary consultation with you. I'm happy to send you some books. I'd like to just, you know, we just want to make sure everyone out there is educated on the topic and thinking proactively. Yeah. I think for you, for you all's perspective, an educated client is, is a better client that you can serve, right? Exactly. Mark, thanks for taking the time to be with me today. I appreciate you sharing all these examples and, and good stories, a, a lot of good takeaways. So thanks for your time today. Henry, thank you. And hopefully we can chat again soon. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. We'll have you back on because there's so much more we can talk about on this topic. This is Henry Lopez. And thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. My guest again today was Mark Balsam. We release new episodes every Monday morning. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowabusiness.com. Or as I've said before, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996, and I'll send you the link to more information as well as all of the stuff that Mark is offering. So just do that quickly on your phone, and you'll get a link so that you can access all of those free downloads and the books. And thanks for listening to this episode. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.